Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the game industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to get your free pass to our next digital event coming December 8th, 9th, and 10th, where you'll have more great sessions you can participate in for free and inexpensive passes to our industry-leading digital business-to-business meeting system. Also, make sure to donate to Extra Life. We've got a link down below in the description, or you can even join the Indie Game Business Extra Life team. That link is down in the description as well. Here we go, Indie Game Business. What's up, everybody? My name is Indy, and that gentleman right next to me, that's Mr. Jay Powell from Powell Group Consulting, and welcome to Indie Game Business. Yay! Um, did you see that thing? 2,000-plus industry professionals in the Discord. Uh, uh, well, that, that's even grown since then. It's 2,500-some now. It's uh... <laughs> right, And thank you so much. We hit, a, we, hit, uh, we hit a milestone on YouTube, right, Allison? Now we're above that on YouTube. Up. Yeah, so as soon as I get around to filling out the forms, then everybody gets to watch commercials now. That's yay! You know, that's, I'm sure everyone is so excited. But yeah, yeah we did. <laughs> we hit um, we hit a thousand subs on YouTube and ten thousand hours or however many hours you have to be on there. So very very cool. And, and the pennies are flowing. The <laughs> pennies are flowing. <laughs> so what? What? what so we, rich. You are so rich. Yeah. Uh, you can tell because Jay just wears his hat that a shark bit. Mm-hmm. Out the tip of it. All right, so we got Stu Grubbs and Pete Baskin from Lightstream, and we are talking about influencers. Something influencers. you're very, oh, very wow. familiar with, right, Dan? I am familiar. <laughs> wow, and I just saw that we had a post just automatically pop up in the Discord. Some genius program that. That's amazing. I'm pop. looking right at it, and it's all poop. And I yeah. see that's a great picture of me with my mouth all open and you're smiling. That's uh, that's um, <laughs> that's progress. That is progress. So, Pete, Stu, welcome to the show. Our highly organized, well-coordinated operation, as you all have seen. Uh, and this is coming off our, our third digital event where we do this for a week. You know, it's not just once. But tell us, we always like to hear how people got in the industry because there is no like normal pathway to this. So, Let's start there. Tell us how you guys got into the industry and walk us through what's led you to to where you are right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can talk a little bit about uh, mine and Pete, and Pete, you go ahead after that. But um, I got started as a writer for a little publication called Gottfrag. Uh, Gottfrag was in the esports business covering Counter-Strike and Team Fortress 2 at the time. Uh, somebody reached out to me over IRC and said, Hey, have you ever thought about writing about hardware? So we started a little publication called got Frag hardware, uh, that basically reviewed high end hardware to make you a better gamer to compete in counter-strike and TF2 and all those sorts of things. And then, um, got Frag eventually got acquired by major league gaming. And then from there, I, um, it's had a global marketing for steel series, uh, uh, a company called Ace Attack that does sealed loop liquid coolers. I mostly stayed on the hardware side of the business and all gaming until we founded Lightstream in 2015. Gaming, hardware, and esports. <laughs> so, what about you, Pete? Um, I'm one of those lucky weirdos who drifted into gaming uh, later on. My, I was in the cycling industry for a while. Um, I started my career 
sort of right at the same, right during that era where brands decided that they should be on social media. So I, like Stu, I was a writer, but kind of like ad agency side. Uh, and then, yeah, worked in the cycling industry as a marketer for a while. Um, worked at a very large cereal company you might've heard of selling Cheerios and things like pizza rolls uh, to the nice people <laughs> in the United States. And then sort of uh, by a lucky stroke uh, or a stroke of luck, I sort of drifted into gaming uh, when I started the relationship between um, General Mills and Twitch, uh, just because I've been a, a gamer my whole life and somebody uh, working on Totino's pizza rolls asked me if uh, what I would, if they gave me a little bit of budget, what would I do? And I said, I'd spend it all on Twitch. And I think this was back even pre Amazon acquisition. Uh, and that went so well that Twitch eventually asked me if I wanted to change teams and come play for them. And uh, I've been in the gaming industry ever since. So I worked for Twitch for a while. Uh, I went to Twitter for a little bit and worked on their gaming business um, and then spent some time at PlayStation. And then Stu was kind enough to ask me if I'd come work with them. And uh, I've been at Lightstream ever since. So tell us a little bit about Lightstream and what it is that you all do in the Give us the high level features, benefits, products, you know, what, what are you doing over there? <laughs> we uh, originally set out to build an easier to use broadcast studio. Um, and uh, along the way, I think we became primarily a video technology company. So what we do is uh, we build an easy to use creative suite for um, primarily focused on the gaming industry uh, when we got started. Uh, along the way, we created uh, several technologies like our cloud-based um, video engines. Uh, so one of the biggest um, examples of how we've done this over the years was a few years ago, we partnered with Xbox so that the Xbox, without needing a capture card, could stream up to the cloud where you could open any browser and add on your graphics, alerts, and overlays and what have you. And then we would layer those on and send it to your viewers on, on whichever platform you were streaming on time it was Mixer, now it's Twitch. Um, but this allows you to, you know, get started streaming your Xbox with $8 instead of buying, you know, a capture card and all the other stuff that you might need to to stream a console. So um, that's where the company basically started, uh, was building this creative studio and then inventing a few technologies. We now power another live streaming platform uh, using our cloud architecture. Um, and then we started working a couple of years ago on something called Rainmaker. Um, and the goal of Rainmaker is to give creators the tools they need to understand their audience, speak to that other value they're creating, and then engage their audience to support them, whether that be you know financially or just you know, as a community. So I think we've all known now for like the last seven or eight years that that streamers and influencers are the new marketing. You know, we used to go and send review copies out to, to PC Gamer Magazine and CGW and all these things, and now it's very much a you've got to have you know influencer but it's a very overwhelming process to get in and and get started and understand who you need to be talking to as an indie developer out there for those that don't know give us the rundown on why you should be talking to streamers first and then we'll build from there well i think particularly as a as a game developer um, streamers uh, represent basically the best advertisement you could ever ask for. Um, it's somebody enjoying what you've created, uh, hopefully enjoying what you've created, and then sharing that with another group of people who are very inclined to also enjoy that. Um, so I think very few times as a, as a lifelong marketer, and I'll let you know, Pete speak to this as well, 
I think it's it's very rare that you can find um, not only somebody who's not just paid but motivated to speak about your product because they're fans of the whole category of what you make, right? Um, but then do that directly to an audience, a highly motivated audience of people who would also like to do this thing. Um, usually what you do, like if you buy a TV spot, you kind of are looking at a you know big wide audience and you're hoping that a fraction of those people might actually use your product. But with you know Twitch streamers or other gaming platform streamers, um, everyone in the room is somebody who's potentially very interested in what you've made um, and, and experiencing it. So uh, it's... It can be dollars well spent. It can be a partnership well spent. Uh, you have a knowledgeable person speaking to how great what you've made is, and they're an experienced person. So, I mean, that's, I'll keep it there. I don't know if, if you want to add to that at all. Yeah, there's not, I mean, there's nothing more, no kind of marketing more effective than word of mouth marketing, right? You take 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 somebody's opinion, taking take someone that you trust, taking their opinion to heart. That's the most effective way to sell something on the planet. Streaming is really, I mean, typically word of mouth in the old days was one to one or one to a few streaming is literally one to many word of mouth marketing and i it's like why you would ever forego that is yeah it it's the most essential marketing tactic in indie gaming i think at this point so as a as a dev we always get a lot of questions it's like when should i start marketing when should i start building community and you know our typical reaction especially on things like Instagram and Twitter is like the minute you have a screenshot. Now, obviously streaming a screenshot isn't really going to do that <laughs> much good, but sure. when you start looking at your overall marketing strategy as an indie team, you know, does it matter? So two, two sides of this question. One, when should you start reaching out to streamers? And then two, does it matter if you're going to get a publisher or you're going to self-publish, should you still be doing this? But I mean, first is like, when should you start reaching out to them? I think, a, you know, a common one, I agree with what you said, as soon as you have something to show the world that is a good representation of what you intend to build, I think you're absolutely right. That should be, you know, the start. Um, I think what a mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make, regardless of whether you're a game developer or otherwise, is that you you wait too long to start introducing the idea of who you are and, and why you should be enjoying what I'm making, whatever that thing is. Um, and uh, the problem being that you kind of take on this idea that if I build it, they will come, you know, that the minute you launch your game, everyone's gonna know about it. And they're obviously gonna wanna play it because it's the next greatest game that's ever been made. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's a big world out there right now. It's a pretty saturated market. There are a lot of things launching every day. Um, the struggle to get attention in this world for what you've made is um, harder than ever. So you need to start kind of that snowball pretty early and see it grow over time. You know, get one or get get your first ten super fans, first ten people who look at your screenshot and go, "That's going to be cool. That's going to be really really cool. I'm going to follow and keep up with the updates and all of that thing." Um, one of my friends, uh, uh, Rob, did this really well with his game, Dreamscaper. And I think it was about a year leading up until their early access that you just kept seeing like little clips of how he was um, drawing new animations, how he was developing the combat system. And it was, it was like a journey you got to witness and you haven't even gotten to play the game yet, but it was so compelling to, to see it come to life um, that you wanted to be a part of it. So at any rate, 
uh, I agree with you and what you've been advising, which is that you should get started right away and, and get the community involved in your process. What, what you're doing. Yeah, to use a relevant example, JT, your background's example, uh, didn't the, the guys that built Valheim, did, weren't they releasing videos the entire way, like the whole way they were building the game? Like different iterative versions of the product? I mean, it's, it's trite to say that we're like, we're in an era where everyone is a marketer, but it's 2021. There are a lot more options out there than Super Meat Boy and Braid on a given on a daily basis, right? Um, social media, at least, if it didn't make all of us marketers, it made us all conscious of marketing. So we're almost in an era where marketing has to be sort of part of your initial concept. Doesn't have to be, but should be, should be. involved yeah, from the jump. I mean, who is who is this game for, and how are we going to talk to them? That should be part of your thought process as you're conceiving of the game before you even before you hit one key on a keyboard or even, yeah, before you start making anything. And I would venture to guess, and this will be just a last little tidbit, I, and I'm not an expert in, in indie development or indie game marketing, but I would guess that if you're passionate enough to be an indie game developer about a given game genre or uh, game uh, story background or whatever that is, there's probably at least 10 to 20 other people that also find that fascinating. So even if you don't have a playable game yet or a backstory or all the other things that would go into making a great game, but you've picked a genre and maybe, you know, like they did with the, you know, with the Viking back, backdrop of what you're gonna be doing. Um, there are people that are at least gonna be excited about that. And you can start building momentum and find, you know, people like you that are just as passionate about this, even if it's not a game, so. And um, everybody, you see all over the news, like Valheim comes out of nowhere. It didn't come out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> They've been working on it very publicly for three years, you know, and so it's the stuff that they were doing early on. And, you know, that early on stuff is what's going to potentially lead you to a publisher. And then you get with a publisher like Coffee Stain. And it's like Coffee Stain is one of those companies that they, everything they put out does well. So they obviously know what they're looking for and know what they're doing. Right. But that it, it all leads into it. So, you know, with the you know, with the Rainmaker stuff in, in particular that you all have built, mm -hmm. is your, who is your primary audience? Is that there to make the streamer's job easier or the developer's job easier? How, how does it fit in with the current ecosystem? See um, all of the above, I guess is the yeah, answer. Yeah. yeah. The answer is yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> original core here was um, the idea that this is a collaboration. Uh, between um, brands or developers and the creators. The creators want fresh new things to show their audience. They like to, I mean, the whole reason of streaming is that they enjoy playing games in front of an audience or sharing or, or creating video content around it. Um, and for developers, obviously, it's um, about getting it out there. It's about being seen and see, you know, showing off the work and having that done by somebody who's knowledgeable. So the missing you know, link in a lot of ways is, is connecting those two people in a meaningful way. Um, because different developers have different creators they're trying to connect with, but it's very hard to just go, I mean, if you just open up Twitch and just start scrolling through creators and find the ones that you feel are going to represent you well, uh, it's a very difficult task. Um, and conversely, getting in touch with brands as a creator, uh, especially if you don't have the background to articulate your value well. You know, I think a lot of people don't have the, um, the language yet of what, it, what a brand wants to hear. 
uh, what a partner wants to hear. So being able to like see data about how you're growing your channel, what games you've been streaming that have been working for you, not working for you, what days of the week are working for you, is really all of that that this was based on, is how do I better articulate the value I'm already bringing. Even if I only have a low amount of viewers so far, those people still show up every week to watch me. So that's valuable. And so how do I articulate that well? How do I articulate the kind of channel I've built, the kind of community I've built? And so that's what a lot of our data is tools for creators is based on, um, is basically you know educating and giving you the tools you need to represent yourself uh, effectively. On the other side, it's giving brands the ability to invest confidently in the space, you know, to be able to come in and say, okay, I now understand who I'm backing, why I'm backing them, how well that's working for us, and I can tell my boss that this makes sense, that we continue to give away free product, that we continue to invest in smaller, smaller streamers, that we continue to do this, because it's, it's really getting results for us. Um, so it's absolutely a collaboration and both sides find it a very laborious and manual process right now to have that relationship or even form one in the first place. So that's really what it's about. And there's lots we can dive into kind of the nuance of, of what Rainmaker delivers over time, but that's the general gist of it. It's, a, it's giving both sides what they need to have a collaborative relationship as opposed to uh, one made up of, of guessing and subjective behavior and all that kind of stuff. And as I can tell from our community already, they're making my job easier because I don't have to come up with questions because they are. So I'm going to you know, jump in real quick before sure. they start scrolling out of the way. So is it better to build interest before there's a playable product to garner hype or wait until you have something to provide to streamers to try out and to try to build interest at the same, same time? time. Uh, I think we already touched on this briefly, but yeah, before I would say it's I mean, it's never too early to start talking about what you're building. As long as you have a good sort of grasp on what the identity is of, of what you're building, even if it's not fully fleshed out, if you know what the concept is and who you're building it for, there you go. That's the start of a conversation right there. Uh, and conversation is really is what you're aiming for, right? I mean, the, the development process should be a conversation with your audience the whole way through. So Nightwolf's got a, a good question. and, that, and like, well, if I'm not 100% sure if any of us that are sitting on the stream are the right ones to answer it, but I like the question, and so I want to throw it out there. In the early stages for devs and studios who do 3D modeling and animations in-house, is it possible to work with streamers on a Skillshare relationship? You know, animation model video for the streamer in exchange for them promoting your idea and growing their community, you know, early stages of design phase and pre-trailer. I would say that uh, it gets a little bit close to that do it for your portfolio um, thing that is a little bit risky to ask a streamer to do. However, if you are skilled as a graphic designer or a 3D modeler and you can use that to create maybe some brand elements for the creator, then it's just a trade. It's a it's an expertise trade. And I think that's totally fair in this world. I think that's always helpful. So if you're able to kind of create some assets and things like that, um, then it's more of just like, I can do this, you can do that, let's trade. Um, but I think the rest gets a little bit too close um, sometimes to doing it for the portfolio. And, and yeah, I, For exposure, I'm, that's what it is, yeah. Yeah, I'm very much against that aspect of it. Um, I say that having worked for free for years to get into the industry, but that was my journey and I chose to do that and I did that to myself, not um, being asked to do it, <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people undervalue, you know, what they are because you know there's a big thing like on influencers uh saying oh give me free food and i'll promote you you know what i mean and uh yeah, yeah. so it's kind of that's kind of like the reverse of it but 
I think a lot of broadcasters and streamers undervalue themselves, you know, because it's your time, your money, your channel, your investment of all of this time. Like, why would you work for thousands and thousands of hours to, you know, promote something for free for exposure? I'm not saying that that's bad. Like, if you're passionate about something, then, yeah, if somebody comes up to me with a game and they're like, D and I'm like, I love this game. Of course I'm going to do it because I want to play it and I'll do it for free. But a lot of the time, right. you know. Um, so and it doesn't have to be a bunch of money it's just some monetary right you know what i mean some kind right. of compensation and i think um i think that's part you know there's that trade is something that exists on rainmaker already i mean one of the issues that we want to do address is that the top one to two percent of streamers are really the only people who even get an email from a brand and get a chance to interact and have that conversation things like what we do with um you know our, our game key campaigns you know, where uh, you can come in and for a hundred bucks, launch a whole campaign and upload copies of your game and set eligibility requirements. Maybe you only want to work with creators that have 50 to 100 viewers um, because they have, you know, real conversations going on in their chats that are a little bit more followable than, say, a thousand people watching a stream. Um, but when a streamer can accept a key, there are rules around that for how many content. So you get a free game. I get a certain amount of content. It's a nice... You know, it's a good trade there. If the streamer doesn't want to do that work, then they don't need to accept a copy of the game and so on and so forth. So I think, yeah, there's it needs to be a value exchange on both sides. But we firmly, like, one of the goals that Rainmaker has been, has set out to solve is that um, small and medium-sized streamers actually create a tremendous amount of value. And when you have the data and automation to showcase that value and articulate it well, um, it can be not only a supplemental income, but in some cases, even you know, possibly a full-time job. It's just that right now we don't have the data and automation that makes that possible. Really, all the money goes to the top one to two percent because it's just easier for a brand to justify the cost um, right now. And that's what our tools are setting out to kind of change over time. Are there opportunities out there for? I mean, we know brands get involved with, with I don't know, for lack of a better word, I'll call them core streamers that are playing you know games day in and day out. But the actual game dev subset of you know twitch and and, and youtube is is different it's a different audience because it's it's like our show it's it's not for everybody it's going directly to gamers are, are you seeing brand interest in that sort of content where you've got a more focused market that you're projecting to but it may be a smaller audience in general yes I think I think you can see this trend uh, most clearly in um, you know this goes well beyond gaming. I'll just put it that way. I mean, you have the uh, micro influencer, as they call it. I think the term almost comes off as pejorative, but <laughs> um, but I think the concept here is is that uh, if I have you know uh, a few thousand followers, um, I probably have a real relationship with that group of people. I probably really. Um, have a lot in common with them they you know the fact that they found me and continue to follow me at that size means that there's something special and bringing to the table for that particular group of people whether that's as a streamer or a youtuber uh, whatever so um tools like ours allow you to see that see those kind of niches and as a brand i'm now able to what was possibly impossible to work with you know 500 creators because they would all involve you know direct contact uh, contracts and all of that now is possible through a level of automation that says, hey, if you fit within these requirements, if you look at Rainmaker data, for instance, I can see what kind of games I play, what days of the week I stream. But if you fit within all these different things, uh, you're eligible to participate in this campaign. 
um, in this effort and get paid for it, um, you know, whatever that compensation is. But uh, yeah, it really enables um, you know, all these return core streamers to start to really engage with brands that you know, possibly they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Before they even you know, before they even yeah. have us. <laughs> so. Well, we're starting to see more interest in that from bigger and bigger brands, um, just because this basically the streaming economy and the, like the, these platforms have existed for long enough now, where we have like confirmable data that actually like tells a real factual story that that these small streamers not only provide value, but in a lot of cases provide more value on a person to person basis than a giant streamer whose chat messages are just flying off the top of their screen, you know. Every, yeah, because there's been proven proven instances where a huge streamer will do a promotion and they paid a hundred thousand dollars and then right. they'll get like 17 downloads of the game or, or right. something um so right. let's see we've got some comments over here um this is interesting atreyu says uh dev studio providing graphic assets for streamers to be used for any streams of that game would be interesting though Look at Code Carnage, who always has a themed overlay for every game, increases the immersion, and doesn't detract from the game. That would be awesome, but that would mean that they would make, like, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to make assets for every single streamer and make them all different? Which, you know, making assets for a streamer is pretty much a full-time job, especially for someone like Code Carnage. Or are they just going to make, like, one asset overlay and then give it to all the streamers, which then, on the other hand, that would mean that everybody would have the same assets. So it yeah, but you'd, really... ha you'd still have, I mean, as an indie team, you, you, the second option yeah, is basically well, your only option. Right. You, you but then what I was saying, nobody would have original way. content. Nobody would have original assets. Yeah. And that's, I think, Dan, you're right. I think there's two different aspects to this, right? If I'm EA picking a name out of random, but if I'm EA sponsoring a streamer for a new game coming and I create assets as part of that campaign, but I'm, I'm paying the streamer and I'm creating graphics assets that match the game. That's one element. That's just boosting my campaign's effectiveness, right? That's me saying, hey, stream with these graphics on top of it because it makes it even feel more engaged. What I was talking about earlier was if you're an indie group and you, as part of the indie team, have some skills, create some assets that are in the streamer's brand for them to use perpetually as a value trade for maybe doing a couple streams about our game. So, but something they can reuse and that actually is kind of independent of the game. It's, it's an actual trade uh, in that sense. So that's like social media about. graphics or whatever that they can put their logo in or, or whatever, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. But so here's a question. I'll go ahead. Your game. Something that's not furthering your game even more. Give, give them something that's truly theirs to have and they'll give you in exchange, you know, something that, that, that they can offer. Yep. All right. So from Pavel um, YouTube, does it make sense to give streamers early builds before having a Steam page without viewers' wishlist conversion? That's a it's about that's a value prop sort of that you have to do in your head. I mean, again, almost no awareness is bad awareness, especially early on. You're just going to miss if you don't have those conversion uh, levers in place. You're just going to miss out on the value that the, the secondary value that those provide. Um, it's a, it's like a value equation you have to do in your head, right? Maybe investing the time is never going to hurt you, but you have to make the decision on how much time it's worth to invest in all those efforts before you have a way for users to actually click something and express uh, actual interest in your product. I'll be even more blunt. You absolutely have to have a call to action. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. 
you might as well be standing on your front porch and yelling out to the world that you you're making a game. If you know you don't have a Steam page yet and you haven't set that up, that's fine. But you need to at least have an email list or something where you can get that. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on here's our Discord. You know something. It may not be the the, the full blown Steam page, but you absolutely have to have some sort of call to action on there. Yeah, and we're in a time where there are tools that will let you accomplish something like that with minimal setup, right? Like minutes of setup at this point. So Corrine's got a, a good question. What's a reasonable amount for an early indie company to pay a recognized streamer to play their game? I, you know, I think this is a very, uh, this is a question really dependent on, you know, the finances of the company uh, and the relationship that you have with the community. In some cases, um, it may be possible to offer a copy of the game, um, advanced access, so you're the only streamer or only set of streamers that will be streaming this ahead of time because that, that allows their channel to grow in a very unique way. Um, if there's only like five people currently streaming this game and, and it starts to get popular. So there are, um, I think, different things you can do. Uh, I would say that in many cases that we've seen, um, a lot of creators, um, that get a key from you know the rainmaker campaigns are willing to stream in exchange for that key uh games aren't cheap um you know is it uh, are they going to go out of their way to create content for years because they once got a copy of a free game i don't think so i think eventually that relationship has to change into one where you're compensated but i do think the there's no blanket answer for i think something like this because every creator has um a different level of reach um I think every creator has a different kind of audience they've built and what makes sense for your company to be spending at this time in terms of marketing can change. So I think what's more important is to have a candid conversation about what this is worth to you at this time and where the game needs to go in the next six months and what the creator is um, like. And, and there are, you know, luckily quite a few creators. And so, well, what works There's only for you, a couple. There's a couple. What works for you as a business <laughs> might be you know, some creators might be over the moon about it and some creators may say, have a nice day. I'm not willing to work for that. Um, you know, I, I think, um, but it is definitely, a, it's a collaboration. You have to have the conversation. What is this worth to both sides? Um, right. I wish I had, a, I wish I had a more concrete answer of saying. Yes, there is no answer. There, there's there's everyone's there's different. Definitely. And like I so don't know if you know this or not, but uh, content creators are, are kind of wishy-washy on things, right? <laughs> They suck. They just, you, they, you can't rely. They're everywhere. Just don't. Listen, let's not speak. Let's not use blanket terms for streaming. Like, yeah. I don't like to no see, I don't like to see you guys beat yourselves up. We're creating content right now. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, That's a good, good con. Be very transparent and upfront about what you're offering. There you go. For sure. Chipper. It's like, Hey, yeah. I'll give you some keys. Here's some keys. You know, like, I mean, sometimes for me in the past, I would like, some things I would want to be paid for. Sometimes someone would be like, hey, you want to do this? And if maybe I know them, you know, and I'll be like, sure, dude, I'll check it out. Hook me up with some keys and I'll I'll do a stream of it, you know, and yeah, for no know, money. Um, Ryan's actually my co-founder at Livestream. Um, and so oh, I well, think can I ban him? I can't ban him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> Corinne or Corinne, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, but I, I what I will say is is further to what Ryan's point is, is um, determine what the value is for you as a team. 
what is our budget? What can we afford to do while keeping everyone employed and moving forward and all of that stuff? So what is our budget, right? And then be extremely transparent with everyone out there. Say, look, we are willing to pay a couple hundred bucks for three or four shows or a thousand dollars for uh, a month and a half of content, whatever that is, you're fully within your right to publish that out and saying, this is what we're willing to pay. You're not hurting anyone's feelings by doing that as long as you've been transparent about that. And then people can come by that offer and say, I'm in. And there are several services that do things that are different than Rainmaker. Um, there's things like Noise GG where you can offer up a bounty for streaming your game and like all these kinds of things. So whether you're doing that through Rainmaker or Noise or one of the other things, if you're just transparent about it and put it out there, there's somebody who's probably going to come along and go, you know what? That's a healthy amount of money for me. I really enjoy making uh, this content and I fit these requirements. I'll do that. That sounds fun. Oh, we got a, we got a where question. we've missed, seen a lot of go ahead, you know some of the more famous explosive growth games. It's like Among Us. It actually came. It hit that big spike from a Brazilian, yeah. you know, streamer, not from somebody in the U.S., the U.K., Canada. Slay the Spire got a gigantic boost early on because of a yeah. streamer in China that randomly picked it up. So don't be discouraged if you've only got you know a thousand dollars to spend and you're looking at some of these campaigns and it's like okay well this person wants 10 grand to do an episode you know yeah money's different all over the world and, and you know and a good audience is a good audience so there's no reason why you shouldn't at least put it out there and and you know be transparent about it so yeah right the only thing people are gonna get mad about is like when what's what's being paid out it doesn't match what i was promised that, that's where you start really letting people down and really frustrating folks but i think right i don't think no one's everyone's within their rights to say this is all we can afford or this is all we're willing to pay right now at this stage of the company for this project is anybody up for it and uh, you're not hurting anybody by doing that. It, it's one of the things that makes the whole streamer economy marketing strategy so th this entire ecosystem so interesting to, to people like me who like to sit on the outside because it's like i've been waiting ever since the whole campo santos pewdiepie thing where they just you know put in the dmcas and and the violations against it it's like there's a very unique relationship between developers and publishers and streamers and you don't know from that streamer point of view while while we're all in the my brain's working faster than my mouth is hold on one second while you know <laughs> as indie devs you know you're sitting there and you're like i only have a thousand dollars i don't know who to find i don't know what to do on the flip side of that you know there's a risk reward mechanic for these streamers as well they're all discoverability on Twitch is, is just as bad as discoverability on Steam. So, you know, up and coming streamers need to be doing something that's different. They know if yeah. they go and we're just doing an Among Us, you know, stream, well, there's a thousand or 10,000 other streamers doing the very same thing. But right. if they're seeing your game and it's something interesting and something new, they may be willing to take a risk for less money up front because it's going to give them an edge in their marketplace it's a very i'm fascinated by this whole and i have been for years the whole dynamic between the streaming community and the game developers because you've got some that are like you know i know publishers you know to this day that you know when a streamer approaches them you know how much how much will you pay me to stream this game the publishers like uh i'm providing content that we paid for for your channel you need to be paying me and, right, I remember that. I yeah. remember that. Well, this is where this is where we get into, and I think Trey's actually asking a question that's very similar to what we're talking about right now. Um, 
about, you know, at what point do you start asking for payment over just getting a copy of the game? I think this is where I was getting at with the very first thing I talked about with Rainmaker was how do you articulate the value that you've built into your content, into your channel, into your audience, um, and vice versa. As a brand, I think it's super important before you start approaching influencers. What is your goal? Is your goal more game sales? Is your goal more social media follows? What's your goal for this campaign? And then measure against that. And that's what that's what Rainmaker for Business does. I mean, we have so we have some of the top gaming brands in the in the world subscribe to our platforms. So they can come in and say, "Hey, last week when we ran that campaign, we saw this much more content created." And then they have internal sales data that they have on their side to say, "Oh, that actually turned into." more social media follows, more game sales. But if you come in and kind of just take the shotgun approach of I'm going to pay streamers and I want results and I don't know what those results are. I'm just always unhappy and I'm always going to complain about streamers and vice versa. The streamers don't know how to articulate the value and they feel underpaid, but they never said, hey, by the way, my Twitter gets, you know, 400 or 4,000 engagements per tweet. And, I, you know, you never articulated that to us as a brand. You know, they might be underpaid you for the value you're creating. But whose fault is that if you didn't articulate the value that you bring effectively? So the goal is, is that Arsenal, I'm sorry, Arsenal's not part of Rainmaker. Rainmaker provides the stats you need to be able to represent yourself as a streamer. Mm -hmm. uh, Rainmaker provides the stats you need as a brand to say, what are my goals? How am I measuring against those goals? How much should I be paying the creators or supporting me? I think, you know, you end up in a mess when nobody really knows what they want and nobody really knows how to measure it. And that's where I think those challenges you talked about really come to life. Um, so, and it I used didn't... to there used to be a specific formula that companies used. I mean, well, it was it was, much, yeah. it was yeah. well, no, no, not even it was uh, a penny per viewer minute. So, if you have 60 view, you know, if you have 100 viewers, so you get paid per viewer a penny a minute, right? And then they would just average that out over the whole time. Um, I'm sure it's a little bit different now. This was like a year ago. Um, when I was concerned about that kind of stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, but I mean, and, and it would go up and down. It would just depend some, you know, and, but then like you were saying, there's also depends like on your social media, you know, maybe someone is a live streamer, but they have a TikTok that just gets massive amounts of views, but their live stream is not yet. And maybe you can get them to create, depending on the contract content on Twitch, content on TikTok, Facebook, yeah. uh, whatever other social medias, you know, whatever that kind of stuff is. So we got another question right here that I had passed up. I'm sorry, Giacomo. Giacomo says, does it make sense to reach out to small streamers with my own money? Or is it just throwing money out the window? And he said, with a budget of a uh, thousand. Indie game business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all the speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. I think it really depends on how 
articulate and confident you feel in your ability to evaluate creators and their audiences. If you feel like you understand that business well and you can approach these streamers, understand that they're going to uh, accomplish whatever goal that you set out for that given campaign, then yeah, I mean, I think working with, you know, reaching out directly to creators is a great way to engage them. Um, I think uh, I always look for, and I'll just speak from my own experiences uh, as an entrepreneur, I always look for opportunities to where working with a, another group is a kind of force multiplier of what I'm trying to accomplish, what I'm trying to reach. So in that case, you know, we've worked with other brands in the space to do um, collaborative giveaways. Um, we've worked with other brands in the space to do streams together. Uh, we worked, uh, Batissimo uh, is another streaming tool that's out there in the world that uh, we did a stream where uh, we talked about the industry together as two entrepreneurs building products in the space. Um, and that got quite a bit of viewership. So my point being with all of that is when you're trying to do marketing on a budget, I think direct spend can sometimes be um, more difficult than say buying a tool that distributes maybe 100 or 200 copies of your game. Uh, that might be a better uh, spend. At the, it depends on totally what stage you're at. But if you're a little bit further along and you can do a thousand uh, euros, I think that was, um, you know, per streamer, then that's a whole different ballgame. And you could definitely reach out directly to creators. I would always recommend finding yourself a data tool that allows you to measure the effectiveness of the outreach you just did, whoever that is for you. Uh, obviously, I'm going to be biased and recommend, you know, Rainmaker, but um, there are a few out there. So if you're on a really tight budget, there are a couple of free products out there for Twitch only data. So if you're only working with, you know, Twitch small creators and you only need, you know, you're trying to look at them as a, um, as an entrepreneur myself, I totally get using the free tools and trying to get everything you can uh, out of out of things. So um, I always measure though. Don't spend money without without writing down your game plan, what your goal is, and measuring it. Otherwise, it's just doomed to fail and doomed to be frustrating for you. So um, and please get agreements in place. Agreements yeah. in place. Do not just send money to streamers who tell you that they will play your game on the stream. <laughs> please. Yeah. Even if it's on a napkin, uh, I want yeah. you know four social media posts on your Twitter account. I would like this, and in exchange, I'm willing to pay you this, and you both sign it over a DocuSign. It's super easy. Doesn't have to be like crazy, uh, you know, complicated in terms of a contract. With a pizza. Well, make sure you get the times of the streams too, because it's like, oh, I'll just stream it. Yeah, and then when when does the stream? You don't want to keep having to check and look and wait and yeah. Right. Goals and expectations, set them up front. Everyone's life will be easier and the relationship will be super fun and collaborative. Um, yeah. When everybody knows what, what the goal is. Because in the end, that's, I mean, of course, the goal is to make money, but, you know, the end is to, if you're working with a content creator, you want to make sure that the content creator is going to enjoy the game, right? So maybe have them check out the game beforehand because there's been times in the past and I learned this the hard way. It's like I got a game and I didn't have time to check it out. And I started playing it. And I'm just like, oh, man, this sucks. And you don't want to, you know, because I, I don't want to be, you know, I would always try and look at the positive of things. You know, I never was like someone gave me a key or got me to do a promotion. And I was like, this sucks. I was like, well, this game is not necessarily for me, but I can see how people that like this kind of game would like it. So please have your content creators that you're reaching out to have them check out the game before they do their content because you know get, sometimes games look a certain way but um 
Yeah. 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 And that, but, that works in reverse, by the way, too, by the way, if you're a brand or a, or a developer, please watch some content from streamers that you're working with before you give them money for anything. Like just know who you're working with. We didn't even yeah. touch on that, but please watch the people that you want to work with before you work with them. Yeah, because there's a, little bit, there's a concept in traditional advertising that I don't think is fully translated yet to um, to the content marketing or creator economy just yet. It's on its way. But uh, that concept <laughs> is what's called brand safety. And so this is like, this became a really important thing on things like radio and different kinds of people that are talking about different kinds of things, blogs, where you have um, people writing maybe the occasional article that doesn't align with your, the value of the company you're building. And so you can end up like advertising on a site that maybe is um, not for you. And, and, and it's totally fine to get a foul mouth streamer that, you know, cuts everything to pieces as long as you know that beforehand and you operate with, you know, or, you know, you that could be what you want, you know, because negative press is still press. So if you get some streamer that's just foul mouth and loud and just like this game is crap and da, 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 that could potentially lead to sales depending on how you approach it. Right. Well, there was an article I saw yesterday about Twitch's brand score that somebody has discovered is yeah. in, their, mm. in their code and how that yeah. might have been the reason for Dr. Disrespect for getting banned. So, I mean, how does that work with with what you all do? <laughs> One, is that a real thing? And two, how does that work with what I mean, do brands do the very same thing with, with you all? So two things I think that are super important here. I think the Dr. Disrespect comment, this is very speculative. Um, oh, we don't yeah. know how long this brand safety score yeah. has been around, right? We don't know. Frankly, we don't know a lot about how it's calculated. Um, I, that was that whole thread I saw on Twitter. It was like, okay, we know it exists. You know, we know what labels are being applied, but not necessarily every which way it's being measured and understood. Um, in fact, there might be even some subjective things in there. It looked like there were. So at any rate, um, it is important to be able to understand things like profanity, um, uh, you know, what, what kind of audience they're gathering in terms of is they are primarily a positive, optimistic group or a negative, uh, argumentative, um, pitchfork group. <laughs> There's, I think understanding what you're getting into is super important. It's definitely a real thing. Um, you can't measure all of it programmatically. Um, you can't just kind of assign a score based on. Uh, you can do it maybe based on what's being said in chat and the kind of audience they've gathered. Um, you know, and you can do that fairly anonymously. I think you could look at the content. Um, some brands don't want to be a part of shooters uh, in terms of game content um, because you know maybe they're a family brand or Procter and Gamble or something like that. They don't want to be associated with games that have a lot of violence in them. So those things are a little bit more programmatic. But as far as you know, what the streamer said at hour and a half that was very controversial. These things can become real issues. Um, you know, if you're advertising pizza alongside something that's a really controversial topic, you may, as a pizza company, go, well, that wasn't worth it. <laughs> um, right. That's terrifying. So it is a real thing that I think needs to become a thing that we pay attention to. But I don't I don't know that necessarily these tools have been fully baked yet. Um, and it should be, in terms of data transparency, I think it should be really transparent what this score is based on. Is this score just based on my chat and what people are saying? Is this score based on what I've said? Are you analyzing like uh, what I've what I talk about on my stream? Um, 
Because without that level of transparency to the brands, I don't think it's fair to the, to either side. Uh, you could be yeah. misrepresenting to the brands what I, who I am, and you could also be misrepresenting me to a level where you're affecting my income or my ability to earn an income, which could border on things like you know libel and slander um, long term. So I think there's a lot of legal risk in providing something like this as well. Yeah. So, um, the way you get other people that, don't care about that, so you got to watch. You gotta <laughs> watch your own ass. Uh, how this is getting measured and how this is getting calculated, and, and um, so hopefully we see that level of data transparency soon on on how it's getting measured. And I so, can't, I was just gonna say I didn't realize Doctor Doctor Disrespect got banned, but looking at my watch, it is about that time of year, right? I mean, you know, about this oh, time this around. That's when you get no, banned. Perma banned last year. Yeah, this was last year. That's what I'm saying. But then uh, it's about time, right? You know, I just actually saw, and you know that people do stuff to get banned. There was someone arguing on Twitter. Oh my God, they banned my Twitch account because their name had BXTCH, which obviously is bitch. And they're like, I can't believe they did that. It's freedom of speech. And, and I'm like, you know, you did that just for the attention so you can complain about it. And then everyone go, oh, poor baby, poor baby. But whatever. You know, I think it's people silly. confuse freedom of speech with I can say whatever I want and people shouldn't be right. on it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, freedom, freedom of speech is for the government. It's not for, you know, a platform that a company owns. <laughs> they can choose, you know, if you if they don't want people to say the word the on there and they ban them, it's their choice. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I, yeah. Anyway, I don't think, yeah, I don't, we don't so, need to get into that, but <laughs> circling back to what we're, you know, <laughs> I think Nightwolf has a good question. Yeah. Well, we had it. Okay. Yeah. Nightwolf. Bam. There you go. Um, Again, I think this goes back to what your specific marketing goals are. Uh, I think one of the things that we've found really successful, we've worked with streamers uh, significantly, but when we wanted to promote a specific feature or aspect of what we built, we found going on YouTube and finding people that create tutorials um, about a given type of content or whatever um, was great because that person got to make something for their channel that might become a how-to. Uh, for our product, which means they'll probably get a lot of views out of that. But it's also evergreen content that lives on forever about our product, how it works, and so on. So um, it really depends on kind of what your goal is in that given moment. Is this about um, uh, getting a few new audience members to take a look at this and, and then hopefully you reuse that play content uh, for your own marketing and whatnot? Um, or is a YouTube strategy with some evergreen content on this channel going to be um, better for you? So um, really depends on what the goals you've set, I think, for that particular moment in time. Looks like we're getting a raid here. A pro who is that? What, what raid is that? Oh, there's so much, is it? Uh, it's an energy raid. Thank you for the raid, Pro Chessy. <laughs> Goodbye, so all the questions. <laughs> One of the, the questions that I keep coming back to, and if we just have so many wonderful tangents that we go on in general, from the basic level, how do indie devs identify the right streamers? Okay, this is going to sound, I think, a little bit uh, self-promotion, but I think there's a real answer here, and it's relatively cheap. So one of the things that we launched in January was our game key campaigns, instead of only being available on our $1,000 a month plans, are now something you can sign up for for 99 bucks for the month. So if you want to do a three-week promotion of your game, for 100 bucks, you can upload a bunch of copies of your game. You can set eligibility requirements for that campaign. 
we help you promote it, you promote it yourself. Streamers can come sign up and get a free copy of your game and whatnot. Everybody who accepts a key, the key that you gave them is now tied to their Twitch account and is in a report for you to look at. And here's where I'm getting to what you just said, what you just asked about. After a couple of weeks of them streaming, of all these folks who got a free copy of the game streaming, you now have a list of who streamed your game the most, how much audience they gathered, each of their streams broken down by viewership of your game. And you can really start to understand who was most effective for helping promote your game uh, from a content perspective, from an audience perspective. And I just think that makes like this one-time thing you bought and campaign you ran becomes your, just like you just print out this platform and you've got your top 10 streamers right there. Um, who are clearly fans because this guy streamed 40 hours of your game over the last two weeks. You know, this this right. person, this woman streamed another 20 hours. And so you really get an idea of like, not just who um, is good at streaming your game, but clearly seems passionate about your game because they've created so many hours of content. And I think that's the most important thing you're looking for early on, right? Is like, who's just as passionate about this thing I'm making as I am? And so, I, you know, I think there's a few different tools out there that do this. But we just made ours incredibly affordable. And I think that concept is really how you identify your first 10 streamers. Yeah. And worth worth clarifying that um, on Rainmaker, when people apply for a key, they're not just asking you with whatever name they want. They are applying and asking you for a key directly with their Twitch or Facebook or YouTube account. So you know exactly who they are, what their channel looks like, what they're creating. We make it super easy for you to jump out and say, yeah, this person is who they say they are, and this is the kind of content that created. I mean, it's, it's one yeah, click they're, they're, Yeah, because they have to log in with their platform, they're verifying who they are. You're not just getting a random email saying, hey, I'm this streamer, send me free stuff. Right. I'm Shroud, <laughs> give me free stuff right now. We we get that question a lot in the Discord, and, and it's like, should I send keys to people that email me? And we're like, hell no, no. Have, <laughs> there are so many tools out there that will let you do this and manage it and all this other stuff. And, and yeah. no, don't, because they, they write for scam. Anyone who is legitimately serious about streaming your game is going to give you a professional way of getting in touch with them, yeah. not just yeah. like an email yes. from a random Gmail address. And yeah, passion plays a lot of it because I'm very passionate about a lot of games I am really bad at. So it's that's absolutely a factor in there. Um, all right, so we are coming towards the the end of our our time. But if you've got any other questions on you know how to work with streamers and, and best practices and all that sort of stuff, absolutely pop them you know in chat. We'll, we'll get them answered as we have Tom and you know Pete and Stu are also on our Discord, so you can go to Discord.gg/indiegamebusiness. And they're there to answer questions too. So let's look at basically streaming as a, the ecosystem, the market right now, as it stands. I mean, y'all are obviously pulling in data and seeing a lot of stuff that the rest of us don't always get to see. Sure. What sort of trends? Magic. Yeah. <laughs> what what sort of trends are you all seeing? You know, what's changing? What's evolving? What what's the the next new thing? Because this is an area of the industry that evolves very very quickly what what's coming up yeah i think um i think we're starting to see a little bit more economic opportunity uh available to creators that aren't the top one percent um yes. and i think that's really powerful there are uh nowadays uh dozens of tools out there that give creators new ways to see opportunity which i think is 
you know, and historically has been something you don't really see a way to support yourself doing this, you know, until your third or fourth year, which can be very frustrating. So recognizing that there's value along the journey and not just at the end of it, I think there, um, that's one of the biggest shifts I've seen in the last few years is just people coming up with creative ways. I think there's a company called uh, Nexus GG, which lets you run your own game store, uh, which is super powerful. So if you're playing a game and somebody wants to buy the game you're playing, you actually get credit for that. So it gives you one way to earn some money um there's sponsorship platforms there's um uh, you know bounty type platforms there's um, all kinds of ways that you know even if you only have 20 to 100 viewers you can start making some money to continue to enhance your stream supplement your income and um you know a lot of people don't you know necessarily realize it i think it's been articulated more recently than before but you know this you know for lack of a better phrase this kind of middle class streamer is um is growing where you don't have to be the elite of the elite to make a healthy amount of money doing something you love. And I think uh, that's you know really the power of the creator economy and, and how it's evolving, uh, especially over the last two years. So Nightwolf's got a question. Is there a significant difference between working with a standard webcam streamer and a VTuber, a virtual YouTuber? So one, what the hell is a VTuber? And then two, <laughs> Nightwolf's question. <laughs> uh well we're early on in that conversation i think the the vtuber like the ecosystem around vtubers at least in the the game streaming space is uh still pretty nascent so i would say we don't have a lot of we don't have like massive enough data on that the difference between the two to really make sort of conclusive statements i would say yet uh Stu, you have any you have anything on vtubers not really. Um, it's yeah. a pretty new concept. I mean, like, um, I, I'm assuming we're talking about kind of the avatar-based streaming um, or avatar-based video work. I, I think that it's still just too new. Um, I, I, yeah, so I don't really have anything to share there. So, I mean, um, why would it be different? I mean, is there any reason it right. would be different? Not necessarily. No, I mean, but by, I would guess, and there's more data needed, but I would guess so long as it, you know, it's operated by a person who understands why a, you know a creator is, is valuable to brands, um, no, it shouldn't be that different. Uh, it's same, you know, social media following. It's uh, right. working yeah. with your chat and your audience. It should be basically identical. Uh, you know, and maybe even there's a benefit in not having a, a real human's face. Right. right. And I mean, it's really just like a, it's a streamer that, you know, is ugly or they don't want to show their face or there's too attractive or they just, you know, they just want to play a character or, or whatever, you know. So this is I, anecdotal, but yeah. when I was at Twitch back in 2017, uh, way back in 2017, I can't remember. I'm sorry. I can't remember the streamer's name now, but we worked with a streamer who literally would appear on stream as like, uh lowish poly shiba inu like it was literally just that they were a, an animated dog the entire time talking in their own voice and we literally we brought brand deals directly to that streamer even though they were you know on stream it looked like we were working with a shiba inu as long as you're you're putting on an engaging stream uh i think that's that's all that really matters is that that people want to watch you and, and pay attention and, and talk in chat and and true just had a comment that i think you know hits it you're you're creating a character and whether that yeah. career, character is you know your real life self like dr disrespect or like 
you know, Stephen Colbert used to do on the Colbert Report, you know, whether it's that or it's an animated, I know Code Miko, that's like the only one I really know. And, and honestly, I think what that creator does is phenomenal. I mean, to sit there and be able to interact with the, with the stream and the chat and do interviews in a full-blown mocap suit, you know, what, I think that is, that's an awesome piece of technology. And yeah, you can, we do see so much sometimes hate, sometimes, you know, just discrimination against somebody because they look a certain way on the screen right. Right. that, that gets rid of it. All of a sudden, you know, it doesn't matter. You're, you're an avatar. That, that's... Yes. I don't know. I think there's people that are prejudiced against toast. Right. What's that guy's name? Is he's he's just Toasty. a piece of toast. Toasty, yeah. I remember I, I backed a Kickstarter way back in the day because it was like the avatars, motion capture stuff with your camera. And I'm like, yes, I'm gonna be the first streamer to have this. And before they released it to all the Kickstarter backers, it went like bam on Steam as like early access or whatever, and all these people had it, and I was like, Why did I even back this if they're just gonna do me like that? By, I had by big way, plans. I'm glad you brought him up because I think I forgot that I watched, I think I spent a Saturday night watching him having a, a few drinks and just laughing uh, like so much. And there's things that an avatar based streamer can do that uh, with animations and effects and all kinds of things that you just can't do as a human being sitting in a desk chair. So it was really funny to watch just how much production effort um, mm -hmm. they put into their stream. And the uh, Toasty's a great example of how much, you know, you can take a concept even further than just, I think Atreyu said, you know, it's uh, ultimately just a character like like Dr. Disrespect is a character, but there are things that Toasty was able to do and manipulate with the stream and the production that you couldn't do with a human being, like launching them across the room and all that kind of stuff. So uh -huh. it was uh, pretty clever. So, so, yeah, I mean, we'll for those works. of us who have no production capabilities at all, how much production and setup work and equipment is needed to do something on that level? There's a program on Steam to do it. It costs like 15 bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, well. called it's called Face Rig. Yeah. Um, that was it. That was what I backed on Kickstarter. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It was like five or six years ago. Man. And I was like, I'm going to be an adopter, an early adopter. And then they just like released it out early access on Steam. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not fair. So, I mean, are there developers out there who stream their game with their own oh. avatars for their own characters? From their game because that seems like a no-brainer to me. It does seem like a no-brainer. Yeah, that was free for the community. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I've not seen it, um, but I agree that would be because you can you can make and rig you can uh, model and rig your own characters and then put them in face rig. So you yeah, can. I can't. Well, <laughs> people that have that knowledge can do it. But Way yeah, back I mean, in the day, we pitched that for. Uh, I think while I was at Twitch, we pitched that for. We pitched that to Xbox. Uh, for Gears of War, a Gears of War launch, and they ultimately decided that getting John DiMaggio to do a live voice on stream was a for Marcus Phoenix was a little bit uh, cost prohibitive. Well, but. they could have got me to do it. <laughs> See, I would have done it for him for a lot cheaper. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> like for indie teams, if you're trying to, that is like a whole another step towards building that brand. Locus, you know, it's it's not just here's what's going on in the background. Here's the game I'm streaming. That's your thing. I don't know. 
I'm not an official streamer. As my son says, you don't, you're not a real streamer, dad. You just like talk about business. It's like, oh, thanks. Appreciate that. Thanks. Um, I think but, another interesting trend is, uh, you got to floss over the, la- over the, over the last year. Um, I think we've seen a lot of other kinds of content that might not have gone live as soon as they have now. I think we saw things like concerts being live streamed before the pandemic, but we didn't see every individual artist going live. Um, I think we saw things like um, a couple of developers would stream, but now there were, you know, those categories grew like crazy. Um, so what I find interesting is the non-gaming content um, through the pandemic is just like you're kind of getting windows into new worlds, new types of content. Um, you know, there were a couple of categories that might have, you know, maybe gotten smaller, like um, IRL and travel streams, but um, there are a lot of new categories that I felt like were really, really exciting. Um, I know that, um, you know, the music category in particular, uh, particular was really interesting and powerful for me this year. Just really enjoying seeing artists in their native habitat, <laughs> you know, like habitat, work, making music, jamming out like more in a way different than a concert. They weren't performing. They were like, literally, I'm going to sit here for the next six hours and make a new song. And to be able to see that process and just enjoy that, um, as opposed to the always fully produced version of your favorite artists that you would see. You know, usually to see the concert, the end result, not necessarily the the journey. Which is that's cool. we should we should market this shit channel. Is that that's it? You're seeing like what we're doing live. <laughs> this isn't you know. This there's far more post production that goes into this. Hey, I have my ukulele that I just got from Hawaii. I could break out with that, right? Perfect. Um, another thing I think also as if we move forward, it's. Game developers and studios are going to have to come up with much more creative content than here is the money. Play my game on your stream. There was a stream that happened recently where um, a kid, uh, the guy went out and he's like, yeah, my grandfather, my grandfather buried this chest out in the desert with like Pokemon cards from the 90s. And then they had an excavator <laughs> and they dug all it up. And then then it came up and he's all like, what? This isn't Pokemon cards. This is some crappy show that didn't do well. But it was like he had all these cards created for it. And then the next segment was him standing there with like the director of some science something and they're opening geodes, right? So the whole point was to, it was a science promotion. But really, I mean, they're out there with a team sure and excavators and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so that's wild. cool. That's have you cool. ever actually opened a geode? I have no. not. Be careful where you do it because it basically creates rock shrapnel and, and caltrops effect, natural caltrops wherever you do it. My son did one right outside my office in the driveway, and I couldn't, go, ah! I, I couldn't go down there barefoot for like six months because it was constantly <laughs> like geo shrapnel everywhere. Um, all right, so last question, Melissa. Somebody, because you know, I'll let you all go, and I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing yeah, this because guys. anything that we can do to help, you know, a lot of these indie teams get understand the world of marketing better and get out there, you know, is is a, is a wonderful thing. Are you seeing any? I mean, everything is basically Twitch, Twitch, and then some YouTube for pre-produced stuff. Twitch is live stuff. How are other markets and other platforms? stacking up is there any growth in you know things like facebook or, or linkedin or twitter or yeah whatever the hell it's called yeah um so we put out a quarterly uh industry report state of the street we actually do this in partnership with uh our friends over at stream elements 
So Rainmaker and Stream Elements put out this report together um, fairly frequently. And I think the growth on YouTube and in particular Facebook has been big. I mean, relative to Twitch, they're still growing. I mean, they still need to get bigger, but relative to themselves, they're practically doubling. Um, so it's they're growing at a very healthy speed. I think what I've found you know, more interesting than necessarily the big four tech companies battling it out for live video <laughs> um, has been the emergence of kind of the niche platforms. Um, you know, you've seen uh, art platforms, developer platforms, music live streaming platforms. I mean, I, I could speak to a dozen different music live streaming platforms that have probably popped up in the last year. And like some of them are for DJs that don't want to be DMCA. So Mixcloud has their own live streaming platform. Some of them are for full-blown concerts and ticketed events. Um, the emergence of the virtual event last year and just how crazy valuations are on those companies. But yeah, like, yeah, I think virtual the, events started two years ago when we started ours. <laughs> sure enough. But I think what's been cool is seeing that now that the technology is a little bit more approachable, a little bit more ubiquitous, and we've actually been part of that. Um, there's another live streaming platform powered by Lightstreams Cloud um, that's focused on independent journalists uh, being able to go live. Uh, but uh, uh, they're called uh, haps.tv if you haven't checked them out but essentially h-a-p-p-s but um give them a little shout out i thought so but uh, i thought i would do that but um i think the emergence of these platforms where you can go and see all kinds of content on the thing that you like without it necessarily being like um uh, kind of a one platform for everyone I, I think i like seeing this kind of like you come here to watch developer live streams you come here to watch our um, artistic people stream uh, all kinds of different creatives and so um, that's one of the bigger trends I've seen. It's not so much that I think one bully is going to come up and beat the crap out of Twitch one day. And I think it's really about the communities are going to form themselves. And now that they can do, they can roll their own live streaming platform, which Twitch is even a, sharing their technology. AWS now has something called IBS, uh, which is essentially a white label Twitch. You can, you can spin up your own live streaming platform using IBS. Um, so yeah, they, they're even supporting of this idea. Yeah, secondary shout-outs to Newness, the beauty platform that we also work with. Oh, yeah, uh, newness.com, N-E-W-N-E-S-S. -S. Um, a, a few former Twitch employees um, are um, forming a new company for beauty live streaming. So these are all beauty influencers live streaming uh, from all around the world. Um, but they also use Livestream Studio to do that. So, um, And they're powered on the IBS platform, the, the white-label Twitch service that AWS now offers. It, it's similar to what we saw, or I'll say, similar to what Dan and I saw 40 years ago with TV. Y'all might be a little younger than we are, where you know, Twitch and YouTube is ABC, CBS. It's all kinds of different stuff on there. But now you're starting to see, okay, here's ESPN. Here's yeah. HGTV. Here are these specialized channels out there. And I think that's, you know, that makes complete sense in terms of the, of the market out there. Right. So how you, yeah, yeah. everything the, evolves. The market's going to continue to democratize itself as the tools just get more and more accessible to folks that want to build something. And to your, to your TV example, by the way, it's also important to think about the fact that this like Twitch, Twitch is dominant and YouTube is behind them. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. that conversation that we always have, that's like incredibly North America centric. The dynamic is totally different in different parts of the world. Oh, yeah. And, China I mean, like, is way different. Yeah, think about all the other streaming platforms that don't even exist over here that are dominant in China or Japan. Like each each different global market has its own its own uh, ecosystem. 
Yes. The North yeah. American market doesn't hold a candle to the global live streaming market yet. I mean, it is just so enormous. Um, I mean, just yeah. due to sheer number of people, but also um, it's just very different. Um, how they monetize uh, the platform and, and streamers, give streamers new tools and stuff. It's, it's pretty powerful. Um, but yeah, I think well, that's one of the reasons that we chose very early on in the company is we started build studio and we started building big tech technology for other people to build studios, you know, if they wanted to or manipulate video in the cloud based on what we had created. Why we started build rainmakers so that brands could confidentially invest in the space, confidently invest in the space, that creators could have the tools they need to look good, understand their audience and all that. We said we always want to sit on the side of the table as the creator, uh, give you the tools you need to make great content. Uh, be successful at it and so on because as the number of places for you to publish your content fragments and becomes many uh, we're just along for your journey as a creator and supporting you uh, and we're not necessarily wholly bet on you know say only youtubers or twitch you know as a whole and if you decide to kind of pick up and move one day and go to a platform that's more in line with the kind of content you're doing, you can still take us with you and we can work together so I think, yeah, we're, we're going to see a big fragmentation. So we got get one last question in here and then we'll, we'll let y'all go. So how can, the question is a separate question from the time, how can streamers or content creators help indie devs more, not just limited to streaming their games? It's something I'm quite interested in as a streamer myself. That's a very good question and one we don't usually look at. So what are your thoughts there? Mine, um, yeah, I think I think understanding the story, um, not the story of the game itself, but the story of the entrepreneur, um, understanding why this person's making that game, uh, what their goals are for that game, what story are they trying to tell, and why is that meaningful to them? I think we all respond, at the end of the day, um, most of what we learn, most of how we communicate is through the art of storytelling. And so it becomes more than just showcasing the game, right? It's like, why did this thing get built? Why did this person arrive at this moment in time to build it? Why did they care so much about this type of story, about this message they're trying to get out? And being able to articulate that well totally changes how you identify with the game. When you learn that, like, I think everybody had the same reaction learning that Valheim was being built by five people. Uh, I think everyone had the same reaction to learn about the, like, the indie dev story of Among Us and how that like started out just so slow over many years yeah. and then just boom, they're one of the, you know, just so well-funded and they're going to be building so many more new things. And it's just to humanize a brand, to humanize a creator, meaning by creator, I'm talking about the indie dev, right? Um, and to tell their real story uh, and not just be like, yeah, here's a new game. It kind of, is, it's great, I guess. And you know, like really talk about it, I think is really how you start to like um, both, you as a content creator become a better storyteller. Your audience now identifies not only with you, but also this piece of content that you're promoting. It really changes it. I think it changes the promotion dramatically. Um, it changes um, the line. So I would say if there was one thing, that would be mine. That would be my recommendation is really get to know what you're supporting and what you're promoting and what you're telling the story about. Mine's kind of a piggyback off of Stu's and that's it's that, and this, has, this is actually true in a lot of contexts, not just streamers working with indie devs, but um, just remember that there's a human on the other end of the, the conversation, like, especially in this past year where we're all stuck looking at streams, like just remember that, that, that game that you're playing, I'm sure you're passionate about it. The, that game is made by people just like you who 
have the same number of hours in the day as you do and don't have a magical wand that they can wave to do what you want to do to the game. So just be constructive and be empathetic, I would say, as a streamer. If you love a game and you want to see it prosper, um, just keep in mind, you know, just, just be realistic about what you can contribute and how you can help the, the people building that game. But remember that, that they're, they're people and that they have the same limitations that you do as people. Very good advice. Because we Empathy is a powerful thing on both sides of the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> when everybody's stuck like, behind a computer screen, it's very easy to mm -hmm. dehumanize what's going on. But yeah, at the end of the day, everybody's busy. Everybody's got a bunch of shit going on at the same time. And so, awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much. This is awesome. Great news. And like I said, Pete, Stu, and I believe you know Ryan as well are on the Discord. So if you've got further questions or you got anything else, you know they're there to to answer and, and to help you along the way. And yeah. if you're a streamer, we actually have opportunities on our Discord for uh, game devs who want you to stream their games. Now, is it paid? I mean, I don't know, but <laughs> there's there's a lot of good games on there, you know, as well. Um, discord.gg slash indie game business make sure and i'm going to do the youtube thing mash that subscribe button and uh <laughs> and also you can check us out on anchor.fm slash indie game business for all the podcasts and all the podcasts from everything ever that is ever there and and even the uh podcast from our the last event those are going up daily so yeah. check it out and devs and streamers come check us out at rainmaker.gg and uh go lightstream.com that's where, yeah. where Stu and I are working every day. Uh, we have games, game opportunities over there too. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to check it out too because tomorrow is actually my big comeback stream. By the way, let's do self promotion. Twitch.tv/indie. Plugs. Right. Check Plugs. out the new uh, the new uh, logo for the indie ogre. Um, but yeah, my stream is going to start at 10, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time tomorrow. What, what, play gonna play? what am I going to be playing? I'm doing. I'm involved in a tournament for the game Blazing Sails. Which is kind of like a Sea of Thieves Battle Royale. Are we going to okay. win? That sounds Hell awesome. No, because that we sounds suck. amazing. It is, and uh, they put they actually put my my new logo in the game, so you can I can have it as a flag. Um, oh, that's, that's so brilliant. Yeah, see, that's cool. And this was not a paid promotion, right? But I was like, hey, this would be perfect for me to do my comeback for streaming. So um, I bench. yeah. It'll be fun. I want to see an eye patch when I tune in. Army hearty, shiver me timber. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. So, guys, thank this you guys has been so uh, this has been super fun. I really appreciate you having us on, and I've really enjoyed the conversation. So, I just want yeah, to yeah, thanks, dude. Our Pete. pleasure, always. Yeah, hey, check out the Discord, everybody. Discord.gg/slash Indie Game Business. Have an amazing, amazing weekend, and I'm going to play us out with this right here. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.